to share to our Here we go. Okay, and we are live. Hey everyone, welcome back to Real Management Talk with LJ and Jocelyn. I'm Jocelyn. I'm LJ. And we're very excited to have you here today. So for the for this episode again, we are streaming live into our Facebook page because we're trying to well, play with the tech. That's what we're doing. <laughs> enhance accessibility. Yes, enhance accessibility. <laughs> so we're hoping that any of you who are out there are you know, able, feel free to chime in. Uh, we will endeavor to answer comments after the show. Uh, I haven't quite gotten to the point of really seeing all the, any comments during, so just bear with us. But if you got any questions, we, we promise to get in there and answer them right after the show. Okay, so today we're talking about... Putting our best foot forward. Yes. Right? Because who doesn't want to put their best foot forward? And what does that look like? You know, there's so much nuance. So it's, it's about time to talk about that from a, a very almost procedural, predictive standpoint perspective, right? It's, I was, uh, I was talking with Jocelyn before we hit record about um, one of her, she's got a experience recently with uh, submitting a proposal, a collaborative proposal uh, for a request for, request for proposal solicitation. And uh, me having just finished up a similar situation and having uh, unfortunately received uh, for one of the proposals, having recently received the rejection, the recourse that uh, you know especially knowing that you put your best foot forward you put together a solid team put together a solid plan and you know seemingly thinking okay we're good to go this is a shoe in if this doesn't happen you know somebody's not paying attention somebody's you know dropping the ball and that's exactly uh for one of these proposals that was rejected recently. That's exactly how me and my team felt, you know, um, once we received that rejection, because, you know, we were like, we've got combined more than 20 experience, 20 years of experience doing this type of work uh, for government entities, private sector entities, nonprofits. I mean, so we were like, this is, come on, you know, and yeah. for the rejection to come back 
with a very general sort of trite, uh, completely inconsiderate uh, response. It just reminds all of us of how important it is uh, to put your best foot forward on both sides of the house. It's not just the the prospect of supplier or prospect of vendor. It's the procurement team as well. You know, you've got to make sure that you have these, these, these small businesses, these micro businesses who are submitting these proposals. It's taking them 30, 40, 50, 60 plus hours uh, to, to bring together a very strong team, to put together some really solid plans, you know, to, to have those quality check-ins and those meetings to really make sure that they put together a very uh, solid proposal collaboratively for your procurement team to turn around and give people late responses uh, and then, or just not giving them a debrief, you know, not giving them any real sort of substantive response that they can, you know, take a step back and say, you know what, maybe that, you know, they weren't looking for what we were looking for uh, to do. Maybe they, you know, had a mistake in terms of the scope that they drew out for this contract. Maybe they said in the scope that they wanted this, but in actuality, they wanted this. And we didn't seem to meet that uh, tacit expectation. You know, things like that. You have mm -hmm. to be able to see that sort of care and responsibility on both sides of that. And a lot of times you just don't see it. It's, it's normally one-sided and it's really something that's got to uh, be addressed because it, it's, it's not fair to your business community uh, your nonprofit community, I mean, et cetera. We talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not just uh, profit organizations that we're talking about here. We're talking about nonprofit organizations and, and the full spectrum. You know, we have, if we're going to submit proposals uh, to, to do work with these different entities, it takes a lot of time and we don't get paid for that time and for that uh, creative energy that it requires you know, and that uh, willingness to want to collaborate with different partners and identify different partners to collaborate with. Those things are not compensated for. So there's a lot of time and effort that just goes completely unrespected, disregarded as it relates to submitting these proposals for these uh, uh, contract opportunities. So procurement uh, teams really need to be aware of that and they need to be able to uh, put together us, their best foot forward in terms of making sure that they're responsive and, and, and you know, really understanding of that type of uh, commitment that is going to be coming from these, these organizations that are looking to do business with their particular company. Right. Well, and, you know, I've run into what we're kind of running into right now um, before which, it, which actually makes it difficult for when people are responding to proposals, right? Because uh, you follow, in this particular case, we, we got our questions regarding the proposal and around um, there's some, within this particular RFP, there's um, some of what I call throwing in the kitchen sink. Uh, because all of a sudden, like you're saying, the whole thing's this way. And then all of a sudden, there's like three things that are this way that have literally nothing to do with the main main thing that you're saying you want. And so, and there were some other key elements that have been left out that be the, 
being the company that's responding, it, it can make it difficult, but sometimes you just have to roll with it. But one of the things is, is if anybody's on the side of doing the RFPs, and both LJ and I have been on the side of being the people who actually had the craft RFPs too, folks, and, and have responses coming in. And we can tell you that, that one of the things, if you ask for questions to be submitted by a certain deadline, then you have the responsibility to actually answer those questions. And so what her and I were talking about is that in this particular case, there's been more than a week since those questions were due and there is not an answer. And we can't get an answer. And it's just, you know, and I, I kept thinking to myself, well, if they're doing this to us and we submitted them the way that they were supposed to be, who else are they doing this to? Or are they just going through the motions? I don't know, they could be, or they might not be. It, it's hard to say. Somebody may have gotten sick and there may not be anything because in, in today, so, you know, I'm willing to give a lot of, but grace, but it, it's also hard when you still have the deadline and the deadlines got, get moved. So if the program person who's assigned to it on the agency side, let's say they have gotten really sick, which is happening, yeah. um, then, you know, I think that that also agencies and stuff have, if they don't have the bandwidth to assign somebody else to oversee it and get it done, then what they need to do is they just need to notify everybody and push push the due date till it can be done. I mean, that, that makes it easier for everybody concerned instead of, but you know, it, this is, this is, unfortunately, I, I'd like to say this is the first time, but in, you know, 25 years, I realized that this year's 25 years I've been writing these things. Um, I mean, this is the thing to your it, point. It just, you know, but sometimes it's just, I think about how much experience I have, the experience that LJ has, the experience my team has, her team has of doing this type of stuff in, and for either ourselves or others. And I think about all the people who are trying to respond that don't have this experience. And this in some respects to me is why contracting is also you know, the federal government did better last year in letting federal contracts. Their goal was to only let federal contracts to 26%, 26%. They actually hit 32%. So they actually did better last year. But I think that there, there's the diversity in contracting and stuff is so small because people give up. See, this is the stuff that they just go, we can't respond. We don't have these answers. We, you know, and, and actually in one case in this particular one, I don't know, they want a certain service for a certain number of folks, but they failed to say, how many of those folks? And they're a large organization. So based on what they're describing, I can go, well, it's probably da, 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 da. But on the other hand, they're describing something else that goes, well, you know, it's either 10 or it's 500. So how, how am I supposed to budget for that? How am I supposed to, how's my team, how are we supposed to even know that we're properly staffed to carry it out? You know, so I think that that's, um, that's, that's one thing, right? 
But the other trend that I've seen, and I don't know if you've seen this lately, but this is a trend I've been seeing for about the last yeah, four or five months in particular. More and more, I'm seeing more of these that go, you cannot change the staff at all on the contract unless we give permission. And by the way, whoever heads the company has to be at our beck and call. And I'm like, yeah, Insane. no. Insane. Here's the thing, things happen. Mm -hmm. And when you say that, um, I'm sorry, I'm busy running a company. Thank you. And they're asking you for your commitment. They're asking you for your project load. So it's it's very interesting. I don't like that at all. They're saying, to Jocelyn's point, they're saying we need the same staff and we need the same primary for the entire duration, the entire life cycle of this particular contract. That's the first thing. And then they're saying on top of that, oh, if there's any changes, we have to get that approved. And then they're saying on top of that, well, let me see what other projects you have right now so that we can make sure that you can actually commit yourself to being uh, available to us basically 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. I mean, it's insane, the level of just entitlement yeah. and and... I mean, and when you think about procurement, the procurement teams, we, to Jocelyn's point, and I know I have to clarify this uh, real quick, because Jocelyn, when you, when you said this, I'm sure this went over people's heads. She, when Jocelyn said they were supposed to give us responses to these questions already, and they haven't, and we can't get the answers that we need. What she's talking about, folks, is the blackout period. When you have these contract opportunities that you're submitting bids for, they will tell you straight up on the contact on the contract, do uh, on the RFP, do not contact these people and ask them questions directly because you could be basically found in in violation mm -hmm. of of the RFP because they don't want favoritism all of the all of the prospects have to be treated the same so if the procurement team reach if you reach out to them and they talk to you and they answer a question and sometimes uh, you'll end up getting some of these smaller uh, universities and smaller organizations that have you know RFPs that they've announced and their procurement team may be new you might end up having a situation where you call them while the RFP is live and they pick up the phone and you just say, hey, I know I'm not supposed to, uh, at, well, you might not even say anything. You might just, you know, innocently just talk to them. Hey, my name is Lafana. I'm the you know, founder for Tasset Growth Strategies. We provide the PMP exam prep training you're looking for. Uh, I wanted to know how many students do you have, uh, usually have uh, that get PMP training? Right. That's a question that I would have had to pose formally. To the RFP. Now, if I'm on the phone at that moment with that procurement specialist and they make the mistake of getting comfortable and answering my question, now what's going to end up happening is that they've got to go back and submit an agenda to the, to the RFP that includes that question exactly and their answer exactly. 
And most of the time, that transcription is not going to happen, yeah. right? And all it takes is for me to be a jerk and say, I saw the addenda, but that wasn't the question that I asked. Yeah. Or that's not the answer that I got. Mm -hmm. That's all it takes is just one little small miscommunication, or it could just be me being a jerk and I'm just causing problems because I'm taking advantage of someone's naivety, right? That's what happens. So when you have a situation like Jocelyn's where she's dealing with a, lar a much larger organization that's going to have a formalized structure for how to pose questions on these RFP solicitations and getting formal responses back, if they don't respond, she can't call anybody. No. She can't email anybody. She can't send them a pigeon. She can't say anything to them because this RFP is live and there cannot be any favoritism shown to any of the prospective uh, uh, suppliers for that particular product or service. Yeah, because it's crazy. Because we essentially nullify our submittal straight off the bat by doing that. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I just know that there's kind of a trend right now that I was like, I'm like, you know, for one thing, people come and go even within your own companies. They, they do. They decide that they're going to go do something else. And even when the entire team is together, sometimes there are reasons that, that you're shifting things. People get promotions or, or it made sense to shift. And right now I'm just seeing this like really interesting trend. And, and you're not just talking like six months or year long contracts. In a lot of cases, you're talking three or five year contracts. And that's, I get that you want to, you know, make sure that the key people are going to basically be there and like that. But this whole idea about you've got to name every single staff person and every this and every that. And, I'm, and by the way, none of them can leave or quit or God forbid something else. And, um, you know, so I don't know. And I think that, I don't know if it's come out of like shortageness, this great um, not resignation. I, I heard somebody do a, a different word the other day because it's not really a great re resignation. It's more a of a reshuffle. Great, great reshuffle, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's coming out of that, out of fear that mm -hmm. you know people are going to be there. But it it's just, preferencing the big companies. That's what it's about. It, 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 it actually, takes the little people out. Yeah, it actually does. And so you, these days you have to get very scrappy about how you're going to do it. And the biggest thing is, um, and we teach our clients this too, which is you have to assemble a good team and staff that can roll with it. And you know what? Sometimes in the middle of things, things happen and you got to go back and just go, sorry, they're not here anymore. Great, you wanted to sign off on them resigning, but guess what? They resigned already. So there you go. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it's it's just ludicrous to me. And you know, now, now this is out in social media and everything because we're live on Facebook. So there we go. Um, <laughs> and right now we should take a break from our sponsors um, for our sponsors, right? So. Um, you know, we're really grateful to every single one of our sponsors. We really are. Um, so Tacit Growth Strategies is your project management institute 
approved authorized training partner. And if you ever, I, I'm really serious folks, if you ever want to really learn project management from the best, you need to get with tacit growth strategies. I can't, I can't move that way, but you're doing a nice, <laughs> nice demonstration here. Um, anyways, um, you know, you, you really do, do. I can honestly tell you that I've uh, known LJ for, for a long time, but I actually at one point was, um, not that we'll name names on who, you know, pulled me in there, but anyway, so I was, was, Actually, uh, when LJ was with the Alamo PMI, um, I was on her team there as well. And I, I can tell you, you know, she is one of the greatest people around project management that I've ever seen. And she's one of the best that, that you definitely, definitely want to learn from. And now we'll think you're welcome. And so, and into our other sponsor. And remember, if you want to sponsor us, just drop us a line and we'll, we'll talk about it. We can make sponsorship amazingly affordable. There we go. See, there's my new sales point, amazingly affordable. And we'd like to thank our other sponsors, James Vanconi LLC for having our back at James Vanconi LLC. It is uh, leadership and skills training, especially geared towards folks who work in the electrical and building automation arenas. So we thank them. Now, back to the program, now that I've done a little commercial break here. So where were we? Okay, well, I don't want to skewer program managers all over the the world because you know it's not but guys seriously if any program managers are listening i don't care where you are in the world take a look at your processes and practices because you know we keep talking about how we want to diversify everything give more opportunities to women to minorities to people of color to you know i don't know my red cat you know because i got a red cat um She's, she's rare. She's a female red cat. There's less than 20%, less than 20% of red cats are females. That's a whole different biology lesson, but that is a true fact. It's a true fact. Um, it's it's moving beyond it, symbolism, you know? It, you have to move beyond the symbolism right. into substance. Exactly. You have to. And project management is how you get there because that's where you're going to find out the best way to run that particular process, procedure, standard operating procedure, whatever it is, that's how you're going to find out if you're actually delivering on what you've intended. Exactly. But when people are writing proposals, though, too, guys, you can't, you know, you're not going to diversify your contracting if you keep doing this stuff. You're not. I'm not going to cuss this week. There we go. Um, anyways. Don't forget the last thing, though. The last thing is stop falling for the okie doke on that. Because what's happening, and you see this now, mm -hmm. the big companies, what are they doing? They're purchasing the, the micros 
and then they're taking whatever that diversity check, whoever it is that they had at that little small company that checks off the box, they're mm -hmm. taking them and they're placing them into whatever role at their company and submitting the bid with that person's face on it. Guess what? You're not helping out your uh, minority, your woman-owned businesses that way. You're not helping our community at all because all no. you're doing is making the behemoth even larger. And that does not ultimately, in 20 or 30 years, I need people to start thinking about this today. What does the business landscape, AKA our community, what does our community look like in 20 or 30 years if everyone's working at the same place? You gotta be thinking about the mom and pops. You're not gonna have your, you know, your small coffee shops. You're not gonna, cause everything's gonna go to one company. I'm not gonna say names, but everything would be, you get your coffee from one place. Because mm -hmm. you, you have supported the monopoly. All these years, you kept going to the, the one same big, big, big company to get your coffee. And guess what happened? All the other coffee places disappeared. What happens with the auto mechanics? What happens with uh, the project managers? What happens to the CPAs? What happens to all these different people now? You keep going to that same one place because they have better service. They've got cheaper products, et cetera. All the things that happen when you're a behemoth. Right. When you're a behemoth, you can do that. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, it's. You got people, you got resources. Okay. But the so other thing call, I'm going to say to combat that, though, too, on when you're smaller companies, guys, this is where your collaborations really start coming in. And you have to develop very good relationships and good collaborations. And you got to get out of your head that it just because other people are in the same space that you're in, that they're competitors. This whole thing about how, I, I'm not even sure where the word competitor and stuff came in, you know, but we know we've all grown up with it, but this whole thing about, oh, competitors, and you've got to know what your competitors, no, the new, the new paradigm is really, you better be willing to collaborate. Because if you're not willing to collaborate and start building the types of teams for whatever you're going after, even from collaboration, um, even where sometimes you've really technically got like four different companies involved, the one of you's lead company and everybody else is here. And if they make you break out the subs, well, you break out the subs that make sense, but everybody else is still here and, you know, all of that stuff. But if you're not willing to collaborate and you're willing to go, like one of the, you know, one of the biggest spaces that we're in is coaching and training. Um, well, and, and like, Coaching, coaching, not what a lot of people think of as coaching, but even, but we're in that, what most people think of as coaching is more what I call mentorship and training. We're in that space as well. And do you think that there's not competition? Of course there's competition. Do I pay any attention to it? I never pay attention to it. Maybe I should, I don't know. I've always collaborated and this is what we do because the only way to really get to start competing is for people to pull together. There it is. But you're when you were talking about the coffee, though, it, what kept popping into my mind was, no, there's not just going to be only one. There will be two. There's one on the western side of the U.S., and there's a certain <laughs> other brand on the eastern side of the U.S., just saying. Owned but, by the same company. <laughs> probably in the end. We probably just don't know it. 
we have duopolies and monopolies. We're just we're governed by duopolies and monopolies. That's just pretty much, yeah. You know, they just mess. they just let us all live in this illusion. Um, Basically, you know, but I don't even know where this could go downhill really fast. That's all I'm gonna say. We want to keep you all happy and hopeful. That is the objective. Look, guys, this is all over overcoming, but you know, that's what what we said from the very beginning. Okay, the real management talk with us is literally real discussions that L, LJ and I have. This is us raw. This is, you know, honestly, this won't be edited, except I might edit the very little beginning of like when we're trying to get up on the Facebook Live and <laughs> weren't saying anything and, you know, we messing around. But, um, but all of it's just such important concepts to just really think into. The other thing, though, that I'm going to say is don't go do what, just because you're listening to us, maybe it's not the right thing for you. Maybe a different way of operating is the right thing for you. Go do what is right for you and your company or you and your career or you and your home life with the people that love and surround you. Stop doing what other people think. And, you know, our next episode, you may really learn what I really think about what other people <laughs> there we go we'll leave that for later um, but you know i mean take in the information and then make an informed decision for yourself we're not saying that people whose whose jobs are to do procurement and write rfps and stuff are bad they aren't we've both done that job we're not saying that everybody who responds, who's getting frustrated sometimes with the process is, you know, being bad and awful and other words. Um, but what we are saying is that there needs, there needs to be some pride in putting your best foot forward. And if you're writing the RFP, you know, you have an obligation to go back through it and have others go back through it and make sure it makes sense before it hits the street. And by the way, did we cover all the important stuff? Like, I don't know, in this particular case, how many people we want the contractor to trade? I don't know. How many times we actually want them to train? Oh, but just for good measure, we're going to throw this other piece in, which really has nothing to do with this training we're asking about. It's like, okay, was that a typo that y'all forgot to take out because you copied over some other RFP and, you know, replaced it, which right. happens. Yeah. Sometimes there's a shell and then people <laughs> and they don't read the rest of it. Mm -hmm. um, or, like, oops. or was it a, um, you know, what is it? Is it there's always going to be questions on RFPs when you're on the side. Doesn't matter how well the RFPs written because somebody's going to read it and they're going to go, hmm, but I'm wondering about this. And that is based on what their company does or what, you know, so they're wondering, oh, do they want this? Do they want that? You know, so that they can come down to what services are they going to propose? Right? But I think that that's the best thing. I think 
someplace along the line to me, especially over the last six months or something, we've lost this. In some in certain sectors, it seems like the ability, not the ability, ability is not the right word, but it seems like something's gone awry with putting the best foot forward and demanding things that they didn't used to demand. That are unrealistic and every procurement person knows it and everybody who's responding knows it. So what's the point? Except to LJ's point. which is in a lot of respects, it's designed to take out smaller firms that can do the job just as well and might actually be more responsive. Okay, I'm off my soapbox for the day. That's true. It's true. Yes. Well, with that, guys, I think we've wrapped Real Management Talk with LJ and Jocelyn for this episode. We'll be back in a couple of weeks here with, with um, another episode with a riveting topic of the day that we've decided to talk about. So stay tuned. And remember... You can find us on Anchor, Spotify. And no, I have not pulled us from Spotify with the recent controversy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're okay with being on Spotify, guys. We're also on Google and Apple. And a couple others, uh, Breakers and somebody else. Anyways, so you can find us there. Um, one of these days, I'm going to get the finish getting the issue fixed with the YouTube channel. So eventually, you'll see a whole bunch of these episodes uploaded there. But until the meantime, enjoy what we're getting out here into our Facebook page. Amen. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Ow. <laughs>